Over the weekend, Cardinal Burke released a long letter where he clearly says that the proper response to the current situation is for the laity to have greater access to the Mass and the sacraments, not less access or no access. Burke, like other bishops in recent days, have called for the restoration of the public Mass. The text of his letter follows, with only the first couple of paragraphs edited out to meet the unwritten rules of our rather gracious hosts. A link to the full text can be found on returntotradition.org. Now, the letter of Cardinal Raymond Burke. In considering what is needed to live, we must not forget that our first consideration is our relationship with God. We recall the words of our Lord in the Gospel according to John. Quote, if a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we come to him and make our home with him. See Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 23. Christ is the Lord of nature and history. He is not distant and disinterested in us and the world. He has promised us, I am with you always to the close of the age. See Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. In combating the evil of the, of the situation, our most effective weapon is, therefore, our relationship with Christ through prayer and penance and devotions and sacred worship. We turn to Christ to deliver us from pestilence and from all harm, and he never fails to respond with pure and selfless love. That is why it is essential for us, at all times and above all in times of crisis, to have access to our church and chapel, to the sacraments and to public devotions and prayers. Just as we are able to purchase food and medicine while taking care not to spread the situation in the process, so also must we be able to pray in our churches and chapels, receive the sacraments, and engage in acts of public prayer and devotion, so that we know God's closeness to us and remain close to him, fittingly calling upon his help. Without the help of God, we are indeed lost. Historically, in times of pestilence, the faithful gathered in fervent prayer and took part in processions. In fact, in the Roman Missal promulgated by Pope St. John the Twenty Third in 1962, there are special texts for the Holy Mass to be offered in, t in times of pestilence, the votive Mass for the deliverance from death in times of pestilence. See Messe Votive a Diversa, number 23. Likewise, in the traditional litany of the saints, we pray, From plague, famine, and war, O Lord, deliver us. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in great suffering, and even facing death, we ask, Where is God? But the real question is, Where are we? In other words, God is assuredly with us to help us and save us, especially at the time of severe trial or death. But we are too often far from Him because our failure to acknowledge our total dependence upon Him and therefore to pray daily to him, and to offer him our worship. In these days I have heard from so many devout Catholics who are deeply saddened and discouraged not to be able to pray and worship in their churches and chapels. They understand the need to observe social distance, and to follow their precautions, and they will follow these prudent practices, which they can easily enough do in their places of worship, but often enough they have, a they have to accept the profound suffering of having their churches and chapels closed of not having access to confession in the Most Holy Eucharist. In the same light, a person of faith cannot consider the present calamity in which we find ourselves without considering also how distant our popular culture is from God. It is not only indifferent to his presence in our midst, but openly rebellious toward him, in the good order with which he has created us and sustains us in being. We need only think of the commonplace violent attacks on human life, male and female, in which God is made in his own image and likeness. See Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Attacks on the innocent and defenseless unborn, and on those who have the first title to our care, those who are heavily burdened with a serious illness, advanced years, or special needs. 
where daily witness to the spread of violence in a culture which fails to respect human life. Likewise, we need only to think of the pervasive attack upon the integrity of human sexuality, of our identity as man or woman, with the pretense of defining for ourselves, often employing violent means, a sexual identity other than that given to us by God. With ever greater concern, we witness the devastating effect on individuals and families of the so-called gender theory. We witness, too, even within the church, a paganism which worships nature and the earth. There are those within the church who refer to the earth as our mother, as if we came from the earth, and the earth is our salvation. But we come from the hand of God, creator of heaven and earth. In God alone we find salvation. We pray the divinely inspired words of the psalmist, God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be, I shall not be shaken. See Psalm 62, verse 6. We see how the life of faith itself has become increasingly secularized and thus compromised the Lordship of Christ, God the Son incarnate, King of heaven and earth. We witness so many other evils which derive from idolatry, from the worship of ourselves and our world, instead of worshiping God, the source of all being. We sadly see in ourselves the truth of St. Paul's inspired words regarding the ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. They exchange the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. See Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 25. Many with whom I am in communication, reflecting upon the present worldwide health crisis with all its attendant effects, have expressed to me the hope that it will lead us, as individuals and families and as a society, to reform our lives, to turn to God who is surely near to us, and who is immeasurable and ceasing in his mercy and love toward us. There is no question that great evils like pestilence are an effect of original sin and of our actual sins. God and his justice must repair the disorder which sin introduces into our lives and into our world. In fact, he fulfills the demands of justice by his superabundant mercy. God has not left us in the chaos and death which sin introduces into the world, but has sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer, die, rise from the dead, and ascend in glory to his right hand in order to remain with us always, purifying us of sin and inflaming us with his love. In his justice, God recognizes our sins and the need of their reparation, while in his mercy he showers upon us the grace to repent and make reparation. The prophet Jeremiah prayed, We recognize, O Lord, our wickedness, the guilt of our fathers, that we have sinned against you. But he immediately continued his prayer, For your name's sake spurn us not, disgrace not the throne of your glory, remember your covenant with us and break it not. See Jeremiah chapter 14, verses 20 to 21. God never turns his back on us. He will never break his covenant of faithful and enduring love with us, even though we are so frequently indifferent, cold, and unfaithful. As the present suffering uncovers for us so much indifference, coldness, and infidelity on our part, we are called to turn to God and to beg for his mercy. We are confident that he will hear us and bless us with his gifts of mercy, forgiveness, and peace. We join our sufferings to the passion and death of Christ, and thus, as St. Paul says, complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. See Colossians 1, chapter 1, verse 24. Living in Christ, we know the truth of our biblical prayer. Salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is our refuge in time of trouble. See Psalm 37, verse 39. In Christ, God has fully revealed to us the truth expressed in the prayer of the psalmist. Mercy and truth have met together. Justice and peace have kissed. See Psalm 85, verse 10. 
In our totally secularized culture, there is a tendency to view prayer, devotions, and worship like any other activity. For example, going to the cinema or to a football game, which is not essential and therefore can be canceled for the sake of taking every precaution to curb the spread of a deadly contagion. But prayer, devotions, and worship above all, confession, and the Holy Mass are essential for us to remain healthy and strong spiritually, and for us to seek God's help in a time of great danger for all. Therefore, we cannot simply accept the determinations of secular governments, which would treat the worship of God in the same manner as going to a restaurant or to an athletic contest. Otherwise, the people who already suffer so much from the results of the pestilence are deprived of those objective encounters with God, who is in our midst to restore health and peace. We bishops and priests need to explain publicly the necessity of Catholics to pray and worship in their churches and chapels, and to go in procession through the streets and ways, and asking God's blessing upon his people who suffer so intensely. We need to insist that the regulations of the state, also for the good of the state, recognize the distinct importance of places of worship, especially in time of national and international crisis. In past, in fact, governments have understood, above all, the importance of faith, prayer, and worship of the public to overcome a pestilence. Even as we have found a way to provide for food and medicine and other necessities of life during a time of contagion, without irresponsibly risking the spread of the contagion, so in a similar way we can find a way to provide for the necessities of our spiritual life. We can provide more opportunities for the Holy Mass and devotions at which a number of faithful can participate without violating necessary precautions against the spread of contagion. Many of our churches and chapels are very large. They permit a group of the faithful to gather for prayer and worship without violating the requirements of social distance. The confessional with the traditional screen is usually equipped with, or if not can easily be equipped, with a thin veil which can be treated with disinfectant, so that the access to the sacrament of confession is possible without great difficulty and without danger of transmitting the virus. If a church or chapel does not have a sufficiently large staff to be able to disinfect regularly the pews and other services, I have no doubt that the faithful, in gratitude for the gifts of the Holy Eucharist, confession, and of public devotion, will gladly assist. Even if, for whatever reason, we are unable to have access to our churches and chapels, we must remember that our homes are an extension of our parish, a little church into which we bring Christ from our encounters with him in the bigger church. Let our homes during this time of crisis reflect the truth that Christ is the guest of every Christian home. Let us turn to him through prayer, especially the rosary and other devotions. If the image of the sacred heart of Jesus, together with the image of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, is not already enthroned in our home, now would be the time to do so. The place of the image of the Sacred Heart is for us a little altar at home, in which we gather, conscious of Christ dwelling with us, through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost into our hearts, and place our often poor and sinful hearts into His glorious pierced heart, always open to receive us, to heal us of our sins, and to fill us with divine love. If you desire to enthrone the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, I recommend to you the handbook, The Enthronement of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Available through the Marian Catechist Apostolate. It is also available in Polish and Slovak translations. For those who cannot have access to the Holy Mass and Holy Communion, I commend the devout practice of spiritual communion. When we are rightly disposed to receive Holy Communion, that is, when we are in a state of grace, not conscious of any mortal sin which we have committed and for which we have not yet been forgiven in the sacrament of penance, and desire to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, but are unable to do so, we unite ourselves spiritually with the holy sacrifice of the Mass, praying to our Eucharistic Lord in the works of St. Alphonsus Liguori. Quote, 
since I am unable now to receive thee sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. End quote. Spiritual communion is a beautiful expression of love to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and will not fail to bring us abundant grace. At the same time, when we are conscious of having committed a mortal sin and are unable to have access to the sacrament of penance or confession, the Church invites us to make an act of perfect contrition, that is, of sorrow for sin which, quote, arises from a love by which God is loved above all else, end quote. An act of perfect contrition, quote, obtains forgiveness of mortal sins if it includes the firm resolution to have recourse to sacramental confession as soon as possible, end quote. Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 1452. An act of perfect contrition disposes our soul for spiritual communion. In the end, faith and reason, as they always do, work together to provide for the just and right solution to a difficult challenge. We must use reason inspired by faith to find the correct manner in which to deal with a deadly pandemic. That manner must give priority to prayer, devotion and worship, to the invocation of God's mercy upon his people, who suffer so much are in danger of death. Made in God's own image and likeness, we enjoy the gifts of intellect and free will. Using these God-given gifts, united to the also God-given gifts of faith, hope, and love, we will find our way in the present time of worldwide trial, which is the cause of so much sadness and fear. We can count upon the help and intercession of the great host of our heavenly friends, to whom we are intimately united in the communion of saints, the Virgin Mother of God, the Holy Archangels and Guardian Angels, Saint Joseph, true spouse of the Virgin Mary, and patron of the Universal Church, Saint Roche, whom we invoke in times of pandemic, and the other saints and blessed to whom we regularly turn in prayer at our side. They guide us and constantly assure us that God will never fail to hear our prayer. He will respond with his immeasurable and unceasing mercy and love. Dear friends, I offer these few reflections to you, deeply conscious of how many of you are suffering because of the current situation. It's my hope that the reflections may be help to you. Above all, I hope that they will inspire you to turn to God in prayer and worship, each according to his or her possibilities, and thus experience his healing and peace. With reflections comes the assurance of my daily remembrance of your intentions in my prayer and penance, especially in the offering of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. I ask you to please remember me in your daily prayers. I remain yours in the Sacred Heart of Jesus, in the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and in the Purest Heart of St. Joseph. Signed, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, 21st of March, 2020, on the Feast of St. Benedict.